I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. Designer and architect Chad Dorsey was born in Tennessee and has a primary office in Dallas and projects from L.A. to Washington State. When you hear the accent, you know he isn't a native Angelino, but he understands design. Chad is the founder of Chad Dorsey Design. Our our conversation covers a significant amount of territory and features some significant similarities between Los Angeles, California and Dallas, Texas. The Trinity River and L.A. River serve the same social, ecological, and functional purposes. The Sunset Strip and Deep Ellum, while vastly different in size, serve as cultural landmarks that feed the city's deep thirst for music. Both share world-class arts, food, and entertainment. Not all comparisons are good. Both cities have claimed the life of a Kennedy in the same tragic way. These two cities are as different as you can possibly be, and yet remarkably similar. Their approaches to taste with regard to design and architecture are no different. Massive suburban areas, each with their own personalities, and both have seen a massive and highly successful return to downtown living. Here to talk about this and a bunch of other things that I think you're really going to like is architect and designer Chad Dorsey. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Snyder Diamond provides amazing service and exceptional products, hand-selected by second-generation president Russ Diamond. These include the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove appliances. There's a revolution taking place in the kitchen, and leading this is Sub-Zero by reimagining what a kitchen can be and then providing state-of-the-art technology and stunning design to make it happen like undercounter refrigeration that provides compact performance and convenience. Glass front or custom door panels, designers and architects can design for the space, not the appliances. With proper preservation, next comes preparation, and Wolf has a fun and fantastic griddle just for you. Just another way Wolf provides the tools allowing you to cook your way. Sub-Zero and Wolf give you the very best so you can give your clients your very best. And what's better than that? Take control with up to $500 rebates on select ranges, range tops, and cooktops. These offers are for a limited time and details apply, so take control and get all the details. To see the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove products, go to any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations. You can also see the Living Kitchen in the Pasadena and Santa Monica Snyder Diamond showrooms. You're in L.A. You're... Are you... Born and raised in Dallas? No, I'm originally from Tennessee. Oh, you are? Yeah. How'd you wind up in Dallas? Uh, architecture job. Huh. So, yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I'm uh, trained as an architect. Went to architecture school. Have a, a bachelor's of architecture. Worked in architecture firms. And then uh, worked in an interior architecture firm that did luxury hospitality work. And I really loved it. Learned about interior detailing. And then that sort of spurred my business in design, residential design, really. So, what do you like? What do you like better? I mean, you're. Uh, I guess I take that back. Uh, stupid question, because if you're doing design, then I suppose you like design better. You know, I like both actually. I, you know, I think my approach to design is very different than many people. Where I, I'm thinking about it from an architectural standpoint, so I look at the space, how I feel in the space, and then that sort of dictates a lot of different things, and let the architecture read for it's beauty and then you backfill with furnishings and materials and i think it all works a little bit more harmoniously that way so so how long have you been working in in dallas and is it is it 
all of that all of texas or do you primarily stay in dallas uh primarily dallas yeah. but uh, i have a few projects outside of there so okay um so it's re- you know what's really interesting to me is i find that la and dallas are extremely similar very similar it's amazing, right? Very similar. They're very stylish cities. People are very interested in how they look. And uh, health is very important. And I think those two things really drive design, both interior and architecture. But then also they're uh, car cities, too. So that adds another layer of similarities. Yeah. You know what else as, as well is you have two vastly different cities connected by kind of a... a, a a nowhere, almost like a DMZ. You know, you've got yeah. Dallas and Fort Worth, which could not be any more different than LA and Orange County. Very different. Right? Yeah. And then you've got sort of Arlington in the middle, which keeps the two at bay, which separates right. the two. But they're very different. Do you, have you, what is your take on, I don't want to call it the Metroplex, but what is your take on, on the Dallas-Fort Worth area with regard to architecture and design? Oh, it's very advanced, you know. Uh, Dallas, uh, it just its expansion of the arts district and the architects that have built buildings there. The design has been elevated over the last 15 years. It's really impressive. I think it rivals most cities in the country. Um, and then uh, Fort Worth is no slouch either. Um, they have amazing museums designed by Louis Kahn, and and um, it's it's just been amazing just to see the growth in that. I think also people will look at. Dallas in particular, not as much as Fort Worth, but at Dallas in particular, like they look at L.A., very ephemeral, um, temporary in nature. You can't, you can't pick one thing. At the same time, you have, you have the, what is the sculpture? Is it the Kimball? Oh, the Nasher. The Nasher, right, which is amazing. And that's a, that was part of the downtown revitalization absolutely. program that took place there. You've got a downtown revitalization program here in L.A. that's absolutely exploding. You've got um, Deep Ellum, which from a, from a music lover's standpoint, it doesn't, it doesn't really get much better than that. No, it's amazing. Just the, the uh, music scene down there and what's happened um, is a great entertainment area. Yeah, it really is. So one of the uh, – speaking of the downtown – Dallas area, um, the house, your project. Right. Tell me about that. Oh, well, that project was conceived with a client that I've worked on three projects together. Um, and we, we designed that project. Um, just, it was his bachelor pad basically. Um, and the house has a 180 degree view of the Trinity river downtown. Uh, between the two, you don't get a better um, sightline in Dallas. It's just amazing, the view of downtown and the Trinity River. And it's really developed since we uh, did the project, too. It's expanded the, the, the bridges by Calatrava over the Trinity River. It, it's just amazing to see that. Yeah, it really is. A couple of choices I want to ask you about. Uh, first of all, the, the art. What, what is that? It, it's almost like a, like a rope sculpture. What is that? Um, that, that's actually a leather sculpture okay. that we put in place that's almost a screen that we designed and had local artisans make for us. You did? Yeah. I love that. So it's, is it, it's not, is it one piece? It's not one piece. It's uh, one piece. It it's is. continuous on a pulley system, and it's meant to screen uh, the space so you don't walk directly into the office or the study. So I wanted to also ask you about the mounting of the TV. That was that looked like a very 
sp specific choice. Yeah, it really was because that view is dead downtown view. It's the best view in the uh, penthouse. Um, it's on the second floor and we didn't want to obstruct the view. So we designed this stainless steel system that would almost go away and suspend the TV in the middle. So when you're on the sofa watching TV, you have the background of the downtown view and then the TV kind of looks like it's floating. It really does. And it's amazing. How did that, how did that come together? Who did you work with for that? We worked with a local fabricator in Dallas. Um, it's a stainless steel company. We had an engineer design it because it had to hold the TV. At the time, the TVs were a little bit heavier than they are today. So it's, it was constantly like working with that. And then additionally, it was designed after um, the, the building was in place. It wouldn't fit on the elevator. So we had it helicoptered up to the 27th floor along with the TV, which is a 100-inch TV. So at the time, that was a big deal. Okay, listen, in, in all honesty, I think anytime you're helicoptering anything into a design job, I think it's a big deal. Yeah, it was, at the time, I was very stressed about it. We had to close streets to do it. I find out later, though, that that's fairly normal to do um, AC units and things on top of these buildings. But uh, the coordination at the time was pretty stressful. <laughs> Looking back at it now, would you have changed anything with that? Not really. It was really designed around his lifestyle. Um, he was a bachelor at the time, and he liked to party. He had a Sprinter bus that he converted for a party van to take his friends around to go to parties in. So it was really designed around his lifestyle, which was fun. You know, it was, so it was a fun project. There was no restraint on that. Did you get to design the Sprinter bus too? I did not, <laughs> but I, I designed his office a little bit later and the Sprinter bus was parked inside the, the warehouse and it Come was on. pretty impressive. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah, it yeah. was cool. Yeah. I was a little envious. <laughs> I wanted to go to, to some cowboy games in it with him, so but I was never invited. <laughs> I bet that would be a blast. Yeah. Uh, Shadywood. I love the architecture. Right. That's amazing. What, who, do you know who the architect was on that project? I designed that project. You did? I did. The architecture as well as the design? Yes, I did. Lo I love that project. Oh, thanks. Um, what, was the, what was the direction? Well, this client was interesting. They had looked at a house that I lived in, and they wanted to buy it, and it didn't make sense for them. So I started looking with real estate with them, and I found this property that had been for sale a few years prior, and it had never sold. And I sent them the listing from three or four years before. Anyway, they called the owner, who happened to be Don Henley, and um, it was in a floodplain, and it had a lot of restraints on the property simply because it required a lot of structure um, that would bring the structure out of the floodplain. Um, so Don Henley had already built this retaining wall that would basically allow someone to build the house in the floodplain. Um, and we didn't want the house to sit on top of this plinth, essentially. So we designed this big cantilever off the side um, so that it would hang over this plinth. Um, in the floodplain, none of the structure can touch the property. Um, it has to be all elevated at, um, above the, the, the water level, I guess. But anyway, so we designed that property around that. Do you... Dallas, again, is one of those... North Texas is one of these territories where, you know, it was underwater for millions of years, so you have that really rich clay soil which is very difficult to build on 
but I'm trying to imagine now you've got to structurally engineer this around a floodplain. So it's, it can't move. Was that a factor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it has other factors, too. You have to involve the government for the Corps of Engineers to make sure you're not disturbing the water uh, flow through the property. And anything that you do change has to be approved. There's a long approval process with that. It's very costly. And then the structural engineers are heavily involved in, in all of that as well. So it's a lot of coordination. It sounds like a lot. Now, it's interesting from the architecture side of you. Do you, do you enjoy that part of it? I do. I do. Yeah, I can't, I can't see how that would be enjoyable, but I, you do. I mean, and, and here's what I found, too, with architects in particular. I've generally found with all of the architects that I've spoken to that they tend to lean one side or the other. Some are more mathematical. Some are more creative design. Right. And many are, you know, they kind of straddle the line, but everyone seems to lean one way or the other. Right. Which side do you I'm definitely more creative. Uh, I'm yeah, not mathematical okay. at all. So. Well, and see, that's why it's surprising to me that you would enjoy the process of, I mean, because that's the nitty gritty dealing with the Corps of Engineers. Is, it's not fun. Right. Well, you have many design team, or we have a few different design team members that handle different parts of the project. So I think we all come together and know what we're best at doing. So. Okay. Now take me through the inside. Um, some of the choices. And by the way, um, before I get too far along, I wanted to talk to you about the kitchen. Okay. In this one. How did you make the choices in there? What, did, what were you looking for? What was, the, what, was the, what was the goal? Well, the homeowner wanted a very light-filled space, so most of the materials were very light. From the architectural standpoint, we wanted the exterior uh, shell stone to come inside the house so that material wraps from the outside inside so it feels when you're entering that you're almost just walking all the way through the front glass enclosure to the backyard um, in the kitchen so we wanted to do a contrasting millwork that would sort of complement all the light finishes um, give you a little bit of contrast basically and that's the other part that I wanted to ask you about there was there's a lot of glass a lot of glass. There is. So in that part of the country, you've got extreme heat, you've got extreme cold, you've got extreme hail. Right. You've got all kinds of things to factor in, and you've got a big glass house. Well, we have a large overhang. So on the southwest, we have a large overhang that sort of protects you from the harsh uh, Texas summers, but also we have some transoms that allow you to have high uh, light that gives you provides a little bit more light. So typically, we try to get the, the glazing on the north side of the property where it's you know might be directly to the it, the outside, and then put coverings on the the west side or south side. Interesting. And then um, the last one I wanted to ask you about was uh, was Bluff View. Because what I, what I found really, really cool about this project was kind of this, this simple elegance that went into it. That house was inspired from a European manner, but in a modern way. So taking this classic sort of European manner that's on this really large property and having the vistas and the views, taking a very simple structure using uh, traditional materials, but then doing them in a very simple, clean way would allow you to have antiques as well as very modern furniture in the same space. And uh, that house has had three owners in five years, and it's interesting to see the transition between each one. They all look amazing. And some have had more traditional furniture, some have leaned more modern. You're listening to my conversation with designer and architect Chad Dorsey. 
We're talking about his Shadywood project in Dallas, Texas. You'll hear more from Chad in just a minute. I, I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed speaking with Chad. You heard Chad talking about open, light, and modern. You also heard about collaboration and partnerships. I have a new collaborating partner here at Convo by Design. It's Article. If not familiar, Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. As a design trade professional, you're going to love this style and the quality of Article furniture. Here's the best part. Article has created a trade program specifically for you, for busy designers. Check this out. Joining the trade program, it's free. And there is no minimum. That's right, no minimum for you to start receiving trade discounts. None. Zero. Exclusive designer pricing that cannot be found for less elsewhere. They offer a standard one-year uh, warranty program on all article furniture and the shipping. You're going to love the shipping. Flat rate in most cases, if not free, and it's fast. Stock items ship in two weeks or less. They handle special invoicing, tax-exempt purchasing, and... Okay, so get this. The customer service. You're going to talk to a design professional. You're going to talk to somebody. These are real people who know what you're trying to accomplish and have the authority to help you get what you need. It's going to get done, and Article's going to help you. For all the details and to sign up for Article's trade program, please go to cxd.article.com. CXD as in Convo by Design. cxd.article.com. Thank you. And thank you, Article. Let's get back to my conversation with architect and designer Chad Dorsey. You're going to hear about Chad's approach to kitchen design, problem solving, with style, and how the South and the state of Washington are absolutely nothing alike. Here's Chad. <laughs> Do you come with the house? Sometimes. <laughs> really? I mean, seriously. <laughs> you have to kick me out. <laughs> What's interesting about it is your work is very distinct. And it's unique. And because of that, I would, I would imagine that when, owner, when new owners come in and buy the house, one of the first questions when they're looking at it is, who is the designer? Who is the architect? Right. And do you get contacted? Many times. Yeah. Uh, but many times it's, uh, it's advertised that way, so people know. But uh, one of the most fun things is to do multiple houses for multiple owners. I've done one project, uh, three projects for one homeowner, and I'm expecting a fourth very soon. It's been about two and a half years. Um, but also people that have bought their houses have called me to do their next house. So it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit of following that's fun. And you start to develop these relationships with people, and the next project's more fun than the one before because you already have the relationship. You already know the personalities. You already know what makes people tick and what they're really looking to do and do new. And it's just fun. You become friends. Yeah, I, yeah, I would imagine that's true. Something that I noticed um, with the house and Bluffview is, and I tend to look for this, is I saw Mila in both of those kitchens. Did right. I see Mila? Uh, there was Mila in those two kitchens, yes. Do you spec that often? Um, probably 20% of the time. It depends. I just did a project with All Gagano, um, Sub-Zero Wolf, Mila. It depends. It depends on the person. What do you think about what's happening in kitchens in particular? It seems to be that bathrooms was the big thing, you know, for the last five to eight years. Right. 
you know, with technology and lighting and, and mood lighting right. and just kind of the feel in the bathroom, more like more spa like. Right. Now it seems like we're on the precipice of, of a major redevelopment in the way people think about the kitchen. Well, you know, people are really starting to cook more. People are very interested in health and lifestyle and eating nutritious meals and they're having a little bit more time with their family. So I think all those things are factoring into kitchen sort of elevating the kitchen experience. And then you take a party where you have your close friends over, everyone winds up in the kitchen. So why shouldn't it be the best room in the house? It should be. Absolutely. And your refrigerator should tell you you're out of milk because why not? We need that. Okay. Fair enough. But at some point, does the whole AI thing get a little spooky? Uh, maybe a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting. There are some people that I've spoken to that are freaked out about having a camera on the refrigerator. You know, I thought it might be a little bit passe at first, but honestly, now that you think about it, how often do you go to the store, the grocery, and think, oh, I need butter or I need something? And you have it at home already. Well, I think people are freaked out about it for security reasons. But then if you, if you really think about it, it's like, look, you got your smartphone. There's a camera on that. Yeah. And it's our entire life is invaded by that. I don't think that uh, refrigeration's the the problem. <laughs> Refrigeration isn't going to be the thing that takes us down. I don't think so. Okay. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the other thing that's interesting, too, and to your point, where people are... are cooking more, spending more time in the kitchen. What I think is interesting, too, with Dallas, and I, I really do enjoy the compare and contrast with cities, and especially because I, I'm a native Angelino, uh, but I also lived in Dallas for nine years, so I know that city extremely well. And it is so, you have one of these cities that is so like L.A., I mean, to the point where even, <laughs> there's even a Kennedy yeah association in each city right. it's just really weird how much we have in common but the indoor outdoor lifestyle is really is is a big part of life in dallas it is it, it's really amazing people have started to downsize their homes but really upsize their outdoor living experience which when you think about the climate you think how is that possible but you do that with shade uh, with swimming pools those are very important in dallas which they're important in la too but uh, that really is integral part to surviving the heat in the summer. Yeah, I, it just, I, I guess it just requires a little bit more planning. Exactly. Yeah. So it's also, it must be interesting for you. You're here in LA. Do you have, do you have projects outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Yes. What are, what are the markets that you, that you generally like to work in? I like California. I like Washington. I've got a project in North Carolina now too, which is very interesting because it kind of takes me back to my roots in uh, from East Tennessee. So it's it's all very interesting. Each market has a little bit different feel, and um, kind of respond to the lifestyles there. But then also kind of take what you know and your experiences from all those places and do something interesting. Washington State or DC? D uh, state. Okay. So that's a totally different it sure is. environment. It is. Are there any similarities between the South and Washington State? Absolutely none. 
Absolutely none. In fact, there's no similarities between Dallas and Washington State. It's like I turned the switches 180 degrees. It's a it's a different lifestyle. It is. It's a different feel. It's a different vibe. It is. Do you like jumping from one field to a, a complete other? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great. Well, I, I ask because you know some people don't like that at all. I like change. You I do. really I like to move. I like doing something new. I like a new travel experience and a new place to go to dinner. I don't want to repeat the same thing ever. (laughs) And it's interesting too, because where you are in Texas, because you're so centrally located, you can, you can get anywhere. Not that that really matters anymore because of, you know, we're, we're all, the world is, the the, the world is flat, right? It really, I, I heard that the other day, the world, and it is, the world is flat. It's very easy to telecommute or to communicate on screen. You don't actually have to be there. And when you do have to be there, it's relatively easy to get there. So being in Dallas, it just means that you're, you're two hours, two and a half hours from, from either coast. You can get anywhere in the country. You can, and anywhere in the world. Yeah. It's no different than being in LA. You can go wherever you want. So in California, that too, I mean, you have, you have from one end to the other, you've got extremes. Do you have any favorite projects here in California? Um, you know, I love Montecito. Yeah. I think that Spanish architecture is always an inspiration. So working up there is great. See, I think that's interesting, too, going from, I don't want to call it extreme modern, but going from modern to that, that Spanish feel. Cause when, and when you're, see, that's interesting, too, because when you're in a city um, in, the, in, the, in the Santa Barbara area, you know, they've got rules. Right. You've got rules, man. And you, you have to you have to follow that look. Does that does that ever bother you when someone says you have to do it this way or is that like part of the gig? I think it's, it comes with the territory and you have to be interesting and figure out a, an interesting way to do what you would want to do and to still work with that sort of in those parameters. I don't think that there's a problem with that. Sometimes those parameters help you be even more creative. They kind of make you think outside of the box that you're in, even though you're in a box. When we were talking recently about design houses, have you, have you ever done a design house? I have done a, um, a few different events where you're creating a space, but we're working on the first design house now. What's your take on designing for an actual family versus designing for a one on paper, one that's not necessarily real, but you're just sort of reading into it who they are? Um, I think it's much easier to design for that person that's not real because you can create the storyline. Families, you have parameters. And if you're doing a kitchen, people have a certain way that they, they need to function in the kitchen. They function a different way in the bathroom or in the living space. They have certain parameters. They've got three dogs or two cats or, or they don't want anyone to touch anything. They want it perfect all the time. So all those things factor in. The show house it can be perfect. It doesn't have to be, um, or it can be imperfect. It just depends on your vision. So I want your take on a couple of things. Um, I always love sitting with designers like you who are sort of multidisciplinary and because I like talking about trending, not trendy, but trending. Because right. um, I, I think it's really interesting to see where different people feel like the design space is going. So are, is there anything that you're crushing on 
right now that you would like to start working into your projects? Um, I would say the use of metals. I'm very interested in metals throughout my project, like steel, bronze, copper, all those things, creating custom elements that I can introduce, whether it's a wall or whether it's a coffee table or, or even flooring. How do we do something different with metals? Give me your take, just taking that a little further, give me your take on mixing metals. On what? Mixing. Oh, mixing. Oh, yeah, I think it's fine. I've been doing that forever. See, you know what's interesting, though? It, it, with all the people that I've spoken to, many will say, uh, no, nah, I don't do it. I don't do it. And I ask why. It's like, because if I'm introducing one, I just want that to be the... I'm not a designer, and I'm not an architect. So there is no wrong answer to me. Right. I'm just curious. But I see a lot that won't do it and some that will do it. I guess it's like anything else where as long as you're doing it right, it doesn't really matter. I think if you develop a certain consistency design language throughout the project, I think that helps and allows you to be able to mix different materials, metals. Um, I think, but that's true of any material. Um, I don't think you just go pick up one thing and do it in one space and then pick up another thing and do it in another. I think there needs to be a certain consistency to the project. Color. What, what colors do you see emerging now, and by the way, it's not like, I'll back up a second. I, I find it really interesting every year when we get, oh, the color of the year is yeah. eggplant. Uh, what if I don't want to use eggplant? Y you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I always think it's interesting with the color of the year concept. At the same time, having the, these conversations with people, you know, two, two and a half years ago, I was basically told, you know what, watch out because in the next 18 months or so, jewel tones are going to be really, really popular. Right. And you know what? They were. And jewel tones, it's kind of that thing where that can stick around for a while. That's not a, that's not a trend. It's not like it's, it's harvest gold. Right. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be around for a while. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. I, I've heard, you know, yellows was something that came and said, you know, yellow is going to be around for a while. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stick around. And you know what it has? It's really interesting to me. The design community really does, as well they should, they really do have their finger on the pulse of what's happening. And that's why I love asking the question. So I'm curious what you're seeing and what you think. You know, I think um, the design community is really kind of dictated by fashion. So whatever's happening in fashion is just slightly ahead of what's happening in the design community as far as colors. For me, I don't really care. I don't really care what the color of the year is. That's not important to me. I could care less. I like neutrals, but for me, color right now, I'm really into greens and I also am into purple. And I'm not a color guy, so you'll find those colors are interesting to me right now and I'm trying to do them in different ways. Well, and the beauty with color too, if you're talking paint, you can change that every other day if you want yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. So one shade of white to a different shade of white. Yeah. Huge impact. But I also think it's interesting, too, that in the, um, in the appliance space in particular and in the furniture space as well, bolder colors, bolder textures, untraditional materials are being used, which is, is kind of exciting. It is. It is. I think there's, and also technology has allowed us to be, offer many different things at one time. Whereas, you know, in the seventies it was harvest gold or olive green, and that was your color choice in appliances. Now there's so many different factors. So that's really cool. 
where do you see when I talk to someone like you, I see sort of like the, I'm, I'm a brand, my work is my brand. Where do you see the brand going for you in the, in the next five, ten years? What would you like to be doing? More of these kind of projects? Is there something that you'd love to be doing? What's on the, what's on the, what's on the dream list for the midterm horizon? I think just continuing what I'm doing, but doing more customs. I, the more custom that we can do, the better. Um, but then maybe an airplane or a boat, that'd be great. God, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I love planes. I love boats. So why not? So it's interesting. Would your approach to a boat or a plane be different than that of a home? Probably not because it's still very personal. It's like this whole lifestyle thing where you're creating this lifestyle and this different feel for each use for the person. So what they may do on their plane, what they may have at their house in L.A., what they may have in their house in, say, Bart's, what they may have in their house in Dallas, each one could be very different. And I think that's part of the fun. But it still should be of the same language and feel like it belongs to that person. How many projects a year is the sweet spot for you? I think eight. That, it's funny. That seems like a lot. Well, it's really not. You know, you're designing a few at a time, and they have different install dates. Some projects take longer to, to come to fruition. Some are very fast-paced. So, you know, I have a project that I did this summer that was like a 60-day project, and I thought, there's no way we can do this project in 60 days. We did it. It was really hard to do, and it looked amazing. It just required a different skill set than my 12- or 14-month project. Full, full home? Full house. Including the kitchen? Um, it was all furnishings. So it, okay. It, but still, it was, very, it was a different challenge. It was using things that I had, had available or had availability to. And it was an interesting project simply because of that. Last question for you. I think I already said that, but I'm going to say it again. Um, in Dallas, because Dallas is such an interesting city, because you know, I, have, I have experience there, and I think it's really interesting because of where it is, because it's built on the soil that it's built on, and because of that soil, everything's brick. Everything's brick, because brick is so easy to get. <laughs> yeah. So the style of the city sort of went in that direction for a very long time, and now it's coming back in, in another direction. And I've seen use of brick in new modern ways that I think is, is fantastic. From, from a stylistic standpoint, from, from a design style standpoint, wh what do you feel is the, is, is there one direction that it's going right now? Is it multiple? Is it multiple styles? Where, where do you see that city I think there's a lot of stone. Uh, limestone is indigenous to the region, so there's a lot of limestone. Uh, stucco is very clean. I think brick is making a resurgence simply because there's been so much limestone and stucco um, happening. It's very clean. Dallas has a very clean architectural presence in um, the residential market. Um, I think that the brick is a new resource, but maybe even like black bricks and things of that nature could be very interesting coming on the horizon. I didn't even think about that. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, Chad, thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you.